That it's Creature O'Clock. So ring that buzzer. It sounds like a lion roar. Roar! And open the door to join us for the 28th annual meeting of the Animal Fan Club. I'm DJ Mixolydian Simeon Mike. I'm Dirty Laughing Zero Banded Armadillo Meredith. And I'm Perfectly Poised, though not pious or prude primate, Mary Lauren. We meet every week at our clubhouse we like to call the Dalmatian Station. To talk about our favorite animals. What we lack in expertise, we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow. So saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom animalia. Yeah, we're off to a really solid start. Welcome, Mary Lauren. Salutations. Our guest here today, she's making me nervous. Though <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure why, because we've seen each other through all kinds of goofy shit. Mary Lauren is a very old, very good friend of mine, and it's such a treat to have her finally on the podcast. It's a real treat. It's a real treat. Welcome. So did y'all grow up together? Yeah, we did. In so many ways. You were always kind of like in the ether until I think like seventh grade when we were in choir together, and that's where... I just remember that I knew you before braces. Pre-braces. That's how I gauge everything. It's a good way to measure time. Yeah, so that would have been like fifth grade. Back when braces were cool. Yeah, before it went to Invisaligns only. Nerds. Nerds. Mary Lauren, ML. Mm-hmm. I understand that you have some sort of zoological experience or expertise or profession and training. All that. All that. Oh, oh. I'm so embarrassed. We're like such doofuses about animals, you know? That's the only way to be about animals. Oh. But that's why she's perfect for this, because she's got the knowledge, but she's also a big goofball. Mm-hmm. So she's like the perfect energy for what we're about to do. Well, good. I'm very excited. I too am excited. I guess we're going to like really get into this. I just want to know like all these things about animals. You work at a zoo, is that right? I did. So after college, I went to get my master's in anthropology, and I wanted to study primate behavior. Okay. And to do that, I sort of got my foot in the zoo gate <laughs> by doing this like internship with the cats and horticulture, which I don't know why anybody trusted me with horticulture. Um, my task for horticulture was to create a pamphlet to hand out to people at the Cincinnati Zoo, and I plagiarized literally 100% of it. Just like went on Google, copied and pasted, and turned it in. I don't know whatever became of it. So that was bad. That sounds like what we do to make this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it does. Plants drool, animals rule, for the record. Oh, for sure. Um, I was like, plants are boring. And then Worked in the cat house. My dad always laughs when I say that because apparently cat house means a brothel. It can. <laughs> yes. He thinks that's so hilarious. I'm like, you're rude. It's the sex worker house. <laughs> Professionals. Professional kitties. Anyway, worked with the kitties and then did my anthropology master's thesis on the bonobos at the zoo. Oh. So worked there for a bit, did research for a bit, and then here I am talking to you primates. Yeah. Well, you and I are about to have a lot to talk about for sure. I'm going to say that much, although I don't really want to give anything away. So pumped. (laughs) Meredith, how was your week in animals? It was pretty low-key until today 
I actually was at the park today, ventured out. I've been venturing out of my borough. I've come out of hibernation officially. Is that legal there? It is legal. It is legal, but you have to have a face covering and maintain six feet of distance, which the children running around the park don't seem to understand. Uh, the adults yeah. uh, on the sidewalk don't always understand that either, for That's sure. That's also very true. It's hard. It's hard here when, like, there's just not that much room on the fucking sidewalks. It's true. It's just difficult. And on the paths and everything. That's why you gotta live in LA. Way more space. Is that why? Oh, and the glorious sunshine. But yeah, so I was just kind of out on my blankie in the park today, soaking up the rays. And I was just admiring the birds. So there was like a little robin hopping around. And then there was a starling that made an appearance. And then there was this pine tree right behind me that all these little girls kept climbing up in. And I kept hearing these interactions like, oh my God, there's a bird's nest. And then I noticed this robin just like, it's more of a crow sound. But anyway, the robin was not happy to have all these little girls like poking around the nest. And so somebody's mom came running up and she was like, don't mess with the birds. The mom will abandon them if you keep messing with them. And so, yeah, there was just a lot of like bird related drama going on. I wanted to keep yelling at them like that mom did, but I, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I saw some bird fights happening the other day. I got on my cell phone a little Instagram live fodder for some bird battles that were going on, (laughs) but I haven't quite processed them and released them to the internet yet. Oh man, can't wait. What kind of birds were they? Like a cock fight? No, they weren't cocks. They were smaller, like finchy sized kind of creatures. That's not nice to say. (laughs) There was this one pigeon that looked admittedly gorgeous, and I'm usually kind of anti-pigeon. But this was a pretty pigeon and it was kind of strutting its stuff. Ready for spring. We are ready to get out there. Yeah. It was staying out of the actual brawl. It looked like all these guys were ganging up on a ladybird. That's what it looked like. (gasps) Oh, no. Because they were kind of coming at her and she was like, quack. And she was scaring them all back. Oh, no. Damn. Girl's got to hold her own. Yeah. It's rough out there for a lady penguin. Penguin (laughs) pigeon. (laughs) Same thing, right? Same difference. How was your weekend animals, Mary? It was it was good. Uh, I have my two dogs, Gatsby and Hamlet. Oh. And um, they were being like dogs. Sniffing and woofing. Sniffing and woofing and um, snuggling oh. and sneezing. It's springtime. What kind of dogs are they? Oh, they're rescues. They're they're my little um, street rats is what I like to call them. Rescue, yeah, rescue from the street. Um, Ham's about 12 pounds. And he comes to work with me when mm. we go into the office. Office dog. He's he's registered as an emotional support animal. Yes. So yay. Yes, yay. Yes, yay. Um, and then Gatsby's just fluffy and a little bit dumb. So they're great. <laughs> Cute. Oh, I love that. I want an animal so bad. Good boys. Good boys. Good boys. The New York Times has reported that this llama named Winter who's a four-year-old with great eyelashes who lives in Belgium, that antibodies from winter have been used to treat coronavirus with good results, I guess. So that's kind of fun. Because they made such a big deal about the, the lashes on these llamas, these llama lashes. And I was like, wow, what if we come out of this with like a vaccine for corona and amazing lashes? Like we all come out of hibernation just like, that's the sound of my, my blinking. Did you guys know that ants can't get coronavirus? Really? Because they have such tiny antibodies. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a little animal. That's 
Wow. We should invite you to the clubby comedy club. Yeah, we should have. We should We should do, yeah, maybe next time. That's perfect. Meredith, do you remember the crazy cat corner in high school? <laughs> Our friend Mandy had a kitten, and she also had, like, one of those Papazon chairs. And the cats, we decided that their little, like, play area was going to be, or I guess it was just one cat. It wasn't just, it was just one, right? Who knows? That was crazy times. I don't remember. But we created like a kitty clubhouse. We did it all with K's, like backwards K's and like like the crazy cat corner. We're, we're like adults at this point, like technically. 18 year old geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever thought of this before. <laughs> Golly. I feel like that's making me blush. The embarrassment. Good times. Well, anyway, I guess we should get into it because I feel like I have a lot to say about my creature. What? And I feel like there might be a lot to say on Mike's end. Yeah. So why don't we just do it? Let's kick it off with the old taxonomy cheer. Ready? Okay. Taxana you. Taxana we. Taxana who? Taxana me. Kingdom. Animalia. Fungus is lame. Animals rule. Phylum. Cordata. Most of the time, yes. Spine. Class. Mammalia, gorgeous displays of keratin. Order. Primates, more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Family. Hominidae, these apes are great. Genus. Pan, generally chimps. Species. Paniscus, they're just the apes who can't say no. It's the bonobo. Yes! That's so great. I enjoyed that thoroughly. <laughs> they're the apes that can't say no. The Edo Annie of the ape world. Sorry, my, my pups are roughhousing, horsing around. My dad always used to say, quit roughhousing. <laughs> my dad always used to say, don't break the house. My dad always said, shut up and stop telling jokes. You're not funny. Okay, bonobos, let's do it. I'm so fucking excited. My first exposure to the bonobos were in high school when we had to do our senior project for history about whatever we wanted to do our senior project in history about. And I decided to do some research as to why, given the current state of legislation and Supreme Court precedent, why the Defense of Marriage Act was unconstitutional, which was the thing that said people can't marry their lovers of the same sex because marriage is between a man and a woman, which is obviously something that I disagree with. And one of the examples that I used to counter the argument that homosexuality is unnatural, which certainly isn't a legal argument, but was an argument that I felt I needed to address in my paper, was to point to the bonobos because they are so sexy and they just can't stop. They have sex multiple times a day. It's dudes on dudes, dudes on women, women on women. That's actually the most common one, the female to female genital rubbing. GG rubbing. GG rubbing. <laughs> There's just a lot to talk about and we're going to get there. But first, I want to do some tax facts because I think the taxonomy of this is very interesting. Yeah, have we done a primate? Yet? We have not done a primate. The hell? So, okay, Kingdom Animalia, boring. Phylum Chordata, boring. Class Mammalia, snooze fest. <laughs> but then when we get to the order of primates, it's exciting. They're monkeys. They live in trees. We have lemur, lorisids, tarsiers, apes, humans. They're the dominant order in the world. We literally run shit. Primates have made it to the moon and back again. And we've like sent probes to Mars. You know, we've done it. Like we are by far the most technologically advanced 
species, extant species, you know, probably historical species, let's be realistic. And we have written language, which other species don't seem to have. You know, it's like, whoa, like we've done the most. Primates kind of rule. Who runs the world? Apes. That's true. So we have two suborders, the Strepsirini, Strepsirini, <laughs> Lemurs, Loris, Anguantibos, and then the other is the Halforines, which are Tarsiers, monkeys, and apes. That second suborder, Haplorines, which is Tarsiers, monkeys, and apes, then has an infraorder, which is the Semliforms, which is apes and monkeys. The simians. Apes and monkeys are simians. If you know somebody that has a lot of crystals and they talk about cetaceans, they probably also talk about simians. That's all I'm saying. So let's recover this because this is a lot. The order is primates. Very exciting. Suborder. Haplorheni is the suborder. Haplorheni. Tarsiers, monkeys, and apes. Then the infraorder below the suborder. Semliforms, simians, monkeys, and apes. Crystals, cetaceans. Now we move on to the family. Okay. The Hominidae. These are the great apes. So there's only two extant branches left. We have the subfamily Ponganae, which are the orangutans. Yes. And then we have Homininae, okay, which has two tribes, which includes the Gorillini. 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 They're Italian gorillas. Sounds like a sandwich. Sounds like something you get at Panera. <laughs> it does. The Gorillini. <laughs> R.I.P. Harambe. Oh, yes. R.I.P. Harambe. The Hominini. Okay, so that's obviously gorillas and then like humanoids. Hominini, if you will. Hominini has two genera. Australopithecus. <laughs> Jesus. It's hard. It's hard. I've heard it said so many times because I'm watching all these shows. Australopithecine? Australopithecus, but yes, Australopithecus. Oh, right. Uh, the ancestors of modern humans, which includes the genus Homo, which is us modern humans. Hey, what up? <laughs> and then the other genus is Pan, which are troglodytes or cave dwellers. Troglodytes was considered a name for this genus because it means cave dwellers, but it was actually already taken by a genus of wrens, so plus one for class aves. <laughs> These are commonly called the chimpanzees, but there is a distinction between the chimpanzee and bonobo, even though sometimes the bonobo is associated with the chimpanzee. So within this genus now, we have the pan troglodyte, the chimpanzee, and then the pan panicus for the bonobo. And I have to say, after so many really freaking cool and difficult to pronounce taxonomic ranks, I'm very disappointed that we get to the genus and the species and we essentially have a cop-out species name where we don't come up with something better. Maybe like pan fuckicus or something like that that just makes this species fun. <laughs> Instead, we get pan panicus and that kind of makes me very upset. It's pan paniscus and the first part of that is essentially penis with an A. So that's fun. Oh, that is more fun. Paniscus. Yeah. God, I didn't even get the species name right. <laughs> that turns it around. It, it's Latin. Who knows Latin? It's Paniscus. so hard. So that's fun. And then there was a lot of interbreeding that happened until about 4 million years ago between these pans and these homos. And then bonobos and apes diverged about... 890,000 to 860,000 years ago, the bonobos and the apes are currently separated by the Congo River, which has been around since much longer before that, but is really interesting as a natural barrier. That's very easy to understand. It's like, no, we don't cross the river. Can't swim. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Can't swim. It turns out that the majority of the writing about bonobos is mainly about their sociosexual behavior, which is very much right up your alley, Meredith. So (laughs) one thing that I found interesting is talking about this GG rubbing that we were talking about before the genital to genital rubbing is that the clitoris, the location of the clitoris may have evolved as a result of this behavior, which I think is very interesting. And Mary Lauren, you seem to be nodding. Is that correct? I'm just like so into this. Yeah, you see, you were like me. You are so loaded with information. I have been mispronouncing taxonomic ranks over here, and you are just over there loaded with info. That was literally the only word that you said that I knew. All that other shit, I was like, what? <laughs> I know, it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, GG rubbing. So it says that they'll do it like to resolve conflicts. They'll do it after a fight to make up with one another. That it seems like mothers and daughters will engage in the behavior, but mothers will not generally have sex with their adult sons. True. Make love, not war. That's the like the motto of bonobos, which is so great. And the reason I was nodding before when you said GG rubbing, um, my sister, my little sister came across some of my old notes Ooh. from when I was doing research and I had everything shortened, but I didn't realize that essentially with bonobos, when you shorten your behavioral notes, it's essentially just penis, sex, doggy style, <laughs> clitoris, like... The, that was the whole thing. And she, she brought, it was like a Thanksgiving or something. And she brings it down. And she's like, what is this? And I was like, that's science. Those are my bonobo apes. <laughs> my, my bonobo notes. I was just mm-hmm. keeping track of how many yeah. times they got frisky in a given day. Mm-hmm. I think she framed it. Where was your research specifically? Like what was, I guess, your hypothesis? Um, so I wanted to study the evolution of nonverbal communication. And I thought, what better species because human beings sort of suck than like pretty much the the closest thing that we have a lot of people claim that chimpanzees are more closely related to us when in actuality i would argue that bonobos are um we share like 99.3 percent of our dna with them they walk upright more often than chimpanzees do they're leaner mm-hmm. they're just nicer and better and so yeah i want i wanted to go and, and study how nonverbal <laughs> communication sort of evolved um i studied at the uh, cincinnati zoo and the columbus zoo and compared like what gestures they made if they were different because then that would say that ch- that bonobos have culture like there's a, oh, a columbus so zoo cool. culture cincinnati oh my culture. gosh yeah, and then took that into um, studying psychology nice. after that. So cool. That's incredible. Yeah, I think about this because they were saying that a lot of times the societies are matriarchal, the bonobo societies are, yeah. and that there's sort of this characteristic of that being a more peaceful environment. So it raises a question of, well, what if human beings were matriarchal? Would they engage in more practices of peace and be less warlike? If our closest relatives, the bonobos, live this matriarchal lifestyle, but say the chimpanzees or the gorillas that are more the patriarchy have war and engage in acts of war and wage war against their enemies and everything. Maybe we had a matriarchal society as we developed into a communities and all that kind of stuff but then as the patriarchy has kind of taken over it's led to our current situation i guess yeah i mean it's it's unfortunate that that's how things happen but like with bonobos the the difference in their size between male and female is not that much compared Mm -hmm. to you know what a silverback gorilla looks like 
compared to a female, like, that's a huge difference. So, like, of course, if the male's that <laughs> much bigger, it's going to be like, fuck you, I'm in charge forever. And so the same size, bonobos, males and females were, like, so similar. They couldn't do that. And women are badass. So they were like, we're just going to continue being awesome. Forever and ever. Forever. Sure. They're like, here's some fruit. Let's get some Gigi <laughs> rubbing going on to celebrate our delicious pomegranate. I recorded, I think, in one hour. I think I wrote down the words GG rubbing 56 <laughs> times in one hour. This was, this was a group of, of, I think, eight, I think. Wow. It is literally all the time. I have some disgusting and amazing stories. <laughs> Please tell some of them. Yeah, can we hear sure. some? Okay, well, this is, this is my most inappropriate story. That's what we're here for. Can I ask something really quick? As to, like, where were you stationed in your observation? So just, like, right outside where the everybody would be? Yeah, so this is actually a perfect lead-in to the story I was going to tell. Okay, awesome. Um, in the Cincinnati Zoo, they have an indoor enclosure and an outdoor enclosure. In the outdoor enclosure, um, there's way more space. And bonobos, I mean, animals are like, screw you, people. And they go and hide. So I would watch them in the indoor enclosure. And there's, like, this glass wall and then behind it it resembles a a cave that has trees in it or something like that so i would sit next to the glass wall and then there'd be a rope on the other side of me so i'd be in between those all the plebes would come and have to stand on the other side of the rope the normies (laughs) yeah the normies and this one he was i think three three years old maybe and um i noticed that he would he would like watch me as i would come and like take out my recording shit every day and he was just like so fascinated and he would like sit next to me and we had this relationship. And so on the glass, it says, do not tap on the glass. <laughs> Most respectful people don't, right? So this, th- this group of third graders comes up on a class field trip. They start banging on the glass. The teacher doesn't say shit. I'm like, hey, stop, child, young human. I, I don't do well with kids. Um, they didn't stop. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was so excited about it. VJ, so the um, little bonobo's name, he stands up, he goes and stands right in front of this kid and starts jacking off, splooges all over the window. The little boy screams and the teacher turns and looks at me and says, why'd you make him do that? And I was like, if I had the ability to make him do that, we would have a serious issue on our hands right now. But it was the most glorious thing I've ever seen. And he was just like hunched over, like shoulders, like, oh, just like going at it. It was amazing because he was stressed out. And that's how bonobos deal with stress. They just come. They do. And sometimes they don't. But sometimes they do. Wow. But this time he did. Why did you make him do that, you, you harlot? You hussy? Granted, I was sitting there laughing <laughs> so hard that I was crying. So maybe it did seem like I made him do it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was great. It's my favorite memory. That is so good. Did you know all of their names? Uh, yeah, at the time I did. They were named after, fuck, I don't even remember anymore. But they were, they were all um, African names. Okay. I sort of hate when zoos name animals like, look, pink willy billy. Quesadillo. Like quesadillo. <laughs> That's okay because it's a pun. That's all right. It is a pun. That's true. Or snuckles. We're mad about it, though, at Brand Clubby. Snuckles, I think, was the biggest offense. But also, I do love the river hog named Sir Francis Bacon. That's it. That's amazing. It's amazing. That's totally fine. Or Walter the Warthog, another great one. You've reminded me that I have bacon. I should figure out something to do with it. Oh, no. My dog's name is Ham, and we make bacon jokes about him all the time. Oh, poor puppy. So what other fun facts do we have about the bonobo? Their, their balls are huge. 
That's fun. Well, yeah, they got us. <laughs> They're the lar- it's the largest um, testicle to body ratio of any primate. Isn't there something related to like ball size and like sperm allotment that has to deal, I think, with like the structuring of the society? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So like, imagine you're a dude. Okay. For two of us, that's difficult. (laughs) And you live in a society where women are in control of everything. Mm -hmm. Sure. So you have no control. The point of of life is to reproduce, so they say. I don't know. But if you just want to reproduce, you have to get it in where you can get it in as much as you possibly can. Yes. So you have to have huge testicles to allow for so much semen. Yeah. But like gorillas, they have teeny tiny little pebble balls because there's just the one guy. Okay, so he doesn't okay. That makes sense. So when you when you when you say that a guy has big balls, you're actually saying that he's a whipped bitch. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I cool. love that. I love that reversal. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, bonobos are all about inversions. I love that, though. They are. They're great. What are some of the other ways that the matriarchal society manifests with them? A lot with, like, sharing and stuff. So there's, yeah, there's a lot more. And they have, like, these super complex social structures. And, like, there were these sisters that would hang out with each other. And they would, like, it was, like, these little gossip girl groups. (laughs) Like, they just like hang out and, and not share with the other ones but then the but then they would do the gg rubbing and they'd be like fine you can have a grape <laughs> and then you know there's the dudes just sitting there waiting in the corner and um they, they were the, they're the last ones to eat which is cool because in my house i'm also the first one to eat <laughs> and i don't cook so i identify oh i know this from our lunch lot. table social dynamic <laughs> do not try to take one of her fries you will get snarled at i think i bit you did i bite probably you? i think i did oh but there's also so like um when they have a baby it's called allo parenting where the baby is just raised by everyone Aww. because it's such a safe space yeah. and even the males will like go and like pick up the kid and like everyone's responsible for teaching them stuff and playing games so like the kids are just running around smacking <laughs> the adults all the time and like I imagine, like, you know those moms that have just fucking had it? They're yes. like quadruplets. Yes. And they're just done, and their kids are climbing on them. That's pretty much what it's like. I definitely saw some videos of bonobos engaging in sexual oh. acts with, like, a baby crawling on their shoulder, you know? They're, like, literally, like, holding the kid on the arm as their body's kind of getting yeah. smashed around a little bit, you know? If nobody ever told you that you shouldn't do that, in public, then we would all be doing that all the time, right? Probably. I mean, I just imagine, okay, nobody nobody told them. Yeah. <laughs> there was no, like, Puritan code of ethics imposed upon them. Uh-uh. They're like, oh, this feels nice. <laughs> I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do it with you. Doing what comes naturally. They don't have accents like that. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> now they do. Oh, hey, Sheila, you want some grapes? <laughs> Come over here and sh- show me your genitals first. <laughs> I just imagine this all is like a kids in the hall sketch. Oh, there's just, there's so much glorious content. Their vaginal lips are ginormous. <laughs> the first time that I saw them, I thought that one of them had like a butt infection because she was literally sitting on her lips. It was like a chair. <laughs> I don't even get what that means. It looks like they have something hanging out of their butts. Like their genitals are so <laughs> oh enormous. Yeah. Do you think it's from like frequent use or that's just like baby she's just born this way it's born with that that's like how they signal to each other with their genitals like that's the way that they communicate so it's like hey here's here's where you here's where you go and and like the 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 bigger the the lip seat is the more fertile 
She is. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, it's a signal for mating. Okay, cool. Sorry, well. this is getting graphic. Yeah. Is there like an engorgement thing that happens? <laughs> you know when you have hemorrhoids and you get those those donut things you have to sit yes. on? Sure. It's pretty much that, but skin. Like a built-in skin donut. Literally sitting on <laughs> exclusively vagina. Lift, could lift her feet up <laughs> off the ground. Just just chilling <laughs> if she wanted. So yeah, it's fun to be a it's fun to be a female bonobo. It seems like it. Apparently. It says that a typical young adolescent female bonobo is maybe about half the size of a human teenager, but her clitoris is three times bigger than the human equivalent <laughs> and visible enough to waggle unmistakably as she walks. Unmistakably. Unmistakably. So she's just walking around with her clitoris just swinging back and forth. <laughs> yeah. If you're getting it that often, it has to be easily accessible. Because like, they'll have sex several times an hour. Oh, I mean, there's, especially as juveniles, you know, everybody, we went through puberty. It's just, it is all, that it's masturbation, it's sex, it's rubbing up on other stuff. It's starting, starting to have sex with your friend and then getting distracted by a ball and then going back to a different friend <laughs> and then realizing you're friends with your other friend. And so then you just have to take care of yourself. But then you forget because you're a bonobo. And you just like go and eat <laughs> some fruit, like a banana, and then you get excited again. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a really, it's a great life. I'm sort of jealous. So there is a pleasure element. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The, the function of it is for, it's for like social reasons to, um, you know, establish dominance even sometimes. Um, but... Yeah, it, it feels good. God bless them. That's so good. I know. Good for them. They're great. And if you ever, I don't, I haven't actually Googled it because I don't know what would come up. But if you ever see a hairless bonobo, a shaved bonobo, it they look like, like the like the guys on Venice, the bodybuilders. Oh, they're like super ripped. <laughs> they, it's scary. And then and then some of them are like the old matriarch females, so their their nipples are like down by their waist, and it's really confusing <laughs> to look at. But they're very sweet. <laughs> they're very kind. Do they ever try and get frisky with their handlers? Is that an appropriate question? Of course it's an appropriate question. Um, I don't know. I'm guess. I mean, dolphins do it. They're smart. No handler that I know has put themselves in that position. Um, but I can't speak for all of humanity. Sure. <laughs> I just wonder if it's kind of like an Aquaman or what was that movie? The The Shape of Water, not Aquaman. Oh, yeah, The Shape of Water. If it's like one of those situations ever, if there's ever like a human. A love story. Yeah, a love story. I mean, would you be more attracted to a bonobo than a human? No. So it's probably the same for them, right? Fair. But desperate times, desperate measures. I don't, I don't know. They're like, oh, gosh, those vagulips are far too small. You have no hair. <laughs> And no muscles. I can't even find your clitoris. It's so small. And I can't Gross. see your penis. <laughs> can't even find that. What are you? Have you even had sex? Yeah. Yeah. That's how they talk. Obviously. I, I study nonverbal communication. That's that's my expert opinion on how they how they talk. It also said that sometimes the dudes bump butt. They have rump to yeah, rump contact. Mm-hmm. A little moon landing. I love that. Moon landing all the time. Yeah, they they would do that, and I at first I thought it was like an accident, and then I realized that no, they were like traveling together while they while they did it. <laughs> I think in that case, since there's no like sexual stimulation for them, the boys' butts like they don't bonobos don't have butts. They're like the flattest ass 
So like when the boys touch butts, it's it's like not even butthole to butthole. It's like lower back to lower back. Huh. Yeah. Getting anything out of it, it's more of like, hey, sorry, excuse me, sorry, okay. <laughs> Crazy. I think that's kind of enough bonobo information for today. Thank you for your contribution. For today. Can there ever be enough, though? They're just these sort of creatures of the forest who just love to eat fruit and just kind of hang out and have sex and just kind of do whatever they do for the day. Yeah. So are they primarily lo- primarily located in Africa? Yeah, they're exclusively in the Congo. Okay, exclusively in the Congo. And are they they're herbivores primarily? They're they're omnivores. Okay. Omnivorous frugivore, it even said. The majority <laughs> of their diet is fruit but they will eat most anything. Yeah, that's why I like them better than chimpanzees, because chimpanzees, like, eat other monkeys for fun. Yeah, they're, like, really vicious. We have this view of them being, like, super cute, and you can keep them as pets, but they get, like, gnarly. Bonobos all the way. For sure. Everybody should live like the bonobos. I agree. Yeah. Team women, team sex, team fruit. Sometimes meat. Team peace. Do you guys want to take a break and see if we can live life like the bonobos oh yeah just give me five minutes (laughs) yeah all right let's do it break time (sighs) what's wrong Lindsay? well rita i just see the two of you so happily in grub love and i'm jealous well we weren't always in love Lindsay. dirk and i met on grub husb what's grub husb Grubhub is the new dating app for relationship-oriented larvae from brand Clubby. By taking grizzes, which are like quizzes but for grubs, Grubhub creates your grubsonality profile, pairing you with compatible grubs. The matching algorithm is a crucial part of what makes Grubhub so great. I just don't have time to swipe through countless lame profiles when there's so much eating and burrowing to be done. It sits through the riffraff and highlights grubs that share my interest? Grubhub sounds amazing. It is, Lindsay. Both Dirk and I loved talking about the grizzes and really bonded over the question, are carbohydrates something you think about? Rita and I both answered yes, then commented that we both dine exclusively on the carbtastic roots of plants. Carbs rule! This sounds like a dating app that will work for my needs. Brand Clubby does it again, anticipating the wants and needs of all creatures. Boy, howdy! Use code GRUBLOVE69 at checkout to save 69% off your first three months of Grub Husb. Chase the ball, navigate the maze, earn some peanut butter and heaps of praise, enrichment activities. Welcome to a new segment here at the Dalmatian Station. This one's called Enrichment Activities, where we talk to an actual animal expert about enrichment activities that they have participated in before during their zoo career. So, hello, welcome, Mary Lauren, ML, and we are excited to hear about some enrichment activities that you have experienced or been part of beyond what we already heard about with your, you know, bonobo sex tracking. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a different word at the end there. It's worried. Salutations and greetings again. <laughs> Welcome back. Glad you came back from the break. <laughs> I went on a distant run. No, I didn't. So, you want me to just get in there? Yeah. Talk to sure, us. Sure, yeah. Hit us with your enrichment activities. All right. So, um, with the kitty cats, 
So big cats are just like little cats. Oh. They like they like popsicles. <laughs> we would give the tigers blood popsicles. I don't know why I'm speaking that accent. Mm. Frozen blood. Yum. On hot summer days. Oh, wow. Was it just like straight frozen blood or would it be like a, lo- a blood water slurry? Um, I didn't make them. I did some other gross stuff, but I didn't make the blood popsicles. They were on like meat sticks, like a stick made out of meat. <laughs> tigers and lions li- live in, well, not all tigers. Lions live in hot climates, so mm-hmm. they get hot. Yeah. And it's just a way, to, a way for them to cool down. And then, so like enrichment activities, as you know, they're to help essentially keep zoo animals from getting bored with mm-hmm. the mundaneness of their existence. Yeah. Right. So, and it usually has to do with what they would do in the wild. So I'm going to lick this blood off to get to the meat. Oh yeah. Mm. And cool down. How big was this blood popsicle? Uh, like a, like a turkey leg. Okay. So oh, okay. I, I could, I could down that in two, three, four minutes. Yeah. A one, a two, a three. A three. <laughs> Exactly. Is there a joke inscribed on the meat stick once you get through the blood popsicle part? Oh, wow. If I told you there were, I'd be lying. (laughs) Well, we are lion truthers here. (laughs) We sure are. I will say that one of the best ones I saw or one of my favorite ones that I saw when watching the, I guess, the virtual safari was when they gave the lesser anteater, the tamandua. They gave her a little, like, tube with a bunch of honey in it for her to, like, stick her long tongue down in. And she just got, like, I feel like I mentioned this on the podcast because it was so adorable. She was just disgusting with honey. Lousy with honey after engaging in that enrichment activity. And she was just, like, so slurpy. (laughs) Been there, done that. slow Tuesday. But my favorite enrichment activity, it wasn't even supposed to be, like, a big enrichment activity. Sometimes they just run out of shit to to give the primates because right. they're so smart. Um, I was actually walking to go and hang out with the bonobos uh-huh. when you have to walk by the orangutans. And if you haven't seen an orangutan, they're just like an M on top of an M that's orange and furry. And so he's sitting there and he, I see like the, he's got some, uh, some fabric in his hands and he's just messing around with it. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Go in, hang out with the bonobos for a while. I come back out for lunch it's raining, and it turns out the fabric he had was a pair of pajama pants. And he's holding these pajama pants over his head, looking like a miserable person. Like, just sitting oh. there, so mad. It's raining, and he's on the sun, he's just <laughs> holding them above his head. So I go to lunch, I come back, and he is wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> he is lounging with his legs crossed, and he has a water bottle in his hand. I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if that, if that was supposed to be a thing. He's sitting there in his wet pajama pants, holding a bottle of water. And then a zookeeper comes out to bring him back in because he wasn't supposed to be out in the rain anyway. And he throws the water bottle at her. So that was enriching. Oh, my God. That was a good one. I wasn't expecting the enrichment activity to enrich your humor level, I guess. But I can appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. Wearing them in orangutan's pants. He's wearing them. <laughs> I, I just, I'm really mad that I wasn't there to see him put that. Did he try his arms first? Just like us, he puts his pants on one leg at a time. Though he might try with his arms first. <laughs> wow. Um, so that's good. great. Oh, man. Great indeed. Yeah. 
uh, there was one with, I didn't work with the polar bears, but there was a polar bear that had um, like a, I don't know who jokes about this. I joke about this, like a greased pig. <laughs> Trying sure, to like catch a yes. greased pig. Yeah, 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 yeah you know, yeah, those yeah. races. Yeah. Um, I think they greased up like a, a a big balloon or ball or something and put it in the water with the polar bear. <laughs> And like made it smell good, and the, he was just trying to hop, like get on it, and it just like popped up in between his arms, just over and over and over again, hours, just like just like, trying to get this fucking ball. I mean, anything really. Oh man, this is so good cute. Times. That oh, yeah. I would lose my mind if I saw any of that stuff. Just squealing. It's good, like a pig, a greased pig, like greased pig. I mean, I feel enriched just hearing you tell us about it. Thank you, Mary Lauren, for such <laughs> enrichment. Yeah, that was a good first enrichment activity. Great work. All right. Chase the ball, navigate the maze, earn some peanut butter and heaps of praise. Enrichment activities. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who. Texana me. Kingdom. In Amelia, they're the reason for all seasons. Phylum. Arthropoda, they wear their skeletons like a shirt. Class. Malacostraca, largest class of crustaceans. Order. Stomatopoda, they're neither mantis nor shrimp. Family. Odontoctilidae, they're the best eyesight in the biz. Genus. Odontilitus, only genus in the family. Species. Odontactylus. <laughs> These colorful bastards pack a punch, it's the peacock mantis shrimp. That was so good. Do you do tongue twisters before that? I need to be like, red put the tongue, red the teeth, the lips. <laughs> red leather, yellow leather. Watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. These things are so hard. And to try to do them in rhythm. That's what bonobos say. These things are so hard. Try to do it in rhythm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. That was my last. That was my last. Boom, boom. No, keep them coming. Got to bring the bonobos back. It's, this is an unusual thing. I, Meredith's been doing a lot of mammals lately, and I've been on a mollusk journey. And so we switched for this, and Meredith's doing an arthropod, and I'm doing a mammal because we thought it would keep everybody on their toes. Yes. Oh, shoot. We decided to get out of our comfort zones this week in honor of you, Mary. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Let's just do our usual tax facts. So arthropods. So I still can't get over the fact that insects like ants and spiders and like crabs and lobsters are all within the same phylum. Super cool. But also we all, we often think of like, <laughs> I see a doggy. Oh, oh a dog. <laughs> yes. We love actual creatures, non-human creatures on the... Oh, my gosh. So cute. Which one is that? This is Hamlet. Hamlet. Here's Gatsby. Gatsby, so come here. So cute. Come here. Oh, well, he didn't know. Never mind. Okay. Okay. Next time. Gatsby's so fucking <laughs> Shut up. So crustaceans are actually a subphylum, so they're not even their own, like, major taxonomic rank. What? I know. I can never figure this stuff out. Just as a question, Mary Lauren, like how much time did you guys spend on like, did you do like anything with taxonomic rank as like earth anthropology people? We were supposed to, but this is before I got diagnosed with ADD. So I didn't. <laughs> nice. Fair. I literally only know pan paniscus and gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. That's the mountain gorilla. Gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. Oh, that's amazing. That's like bison, bison, bison. We're number one. We're number one. Bison, bison, bison. But I will say for some context that the only time I ever really did it was for AP Environmental Science. So the same class where I was exposed to the cane toad video, Mary Lauren was also in that class. Oh, yeah. Learned how to smoke a bong in that class. 
True story. That class was ridiculous. Public school. Public school. Best public school. Oh I didn't learn how to smoke a bong until college. Anyhow. Okay, so I'm still very confused by taxonomic rank. I don't get it. Because like crustaceans. We all know crustaceans. But it's just a subphylum. Weird, right? You can have them be the same name. Like Gorilla Gorilla Gorilla. Right. Why not just keep it simple? Those Latins. Carl Linnaeus is an idiot. Carl Linnaeus is problematic. He is problematic. He is very problematic. I've had many arguments. Yeah, like eugenics, like that. This is not a eugenics podcast. <laughs> it's not. No. It's the only reason I came here today. No. <laughs> We're decidedly anti-eugenics on this podcast. Yes, that's, that's, right. that's shocking. Okay. Malacostrata. Crustaceans are above this. These are crustaceans that are characterized by similar body formations. So like the number of segments in their head, thorax, and abdomen were inside out, no bones within. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we get down to the order, Stomatopoda, this is just mantis shrimp. There's only mantis shrimp, mantis shrimp in this order. And so misnomer, they're neither mantis nor shrimp. Right. Though shrimp are another crustacean. Okay. And and mantises are just other arthropods. Right. So they're very they're not even in this crustacean moment. Right. They don't even they don't get past phylum. Yeah, they're neither mantis nor shrimp. So they're kind of their own weird thing. There's 451 species of mantis shrimp crazy but we're going to be talking specifically about the peacock mantis shrimp for a few reasons but a lot of this information just going down is mostly going to be talking about mantis shrimp in general because they're just crazy so there's two different kinds the smashers and the spearers whoa and this is crazy and so i'm going to actually get into a little bit more of this later but i will say um so just tuck this away for later that the peacock mantis shrimp is a smasher and we're going to find out exactly what that means momentarily peacock mantis shrimp smash also sounds like a panera sandwich it does sound like a panera sandwich or something from homestar runner deep cut i have an idea poop smith I have an idea. Meredith introduced me to that. And actually, I wasn't even a really, I didn't watch it much. I think Sydney showed it to me and then. You showed it to me. And then I would quote like just Poop Smith essentially in Homestray. My dad still says to me, great job. Yeah, great job. I still say great job. He has no idea where it comes from. It's very catchy. So these guys, they can go from essentially like the size of your finger to like the size of your forearm. So that's the wide variation in the size of them. They're solitary. They live in burrows where they hide, mate, and eat. And they're most often found in tropical and subtropical regions, specifically in the Indian and Pacific Oceans. So generally for most of them, they're also going to have some of the best eyesight in all of the kingdom animalia is that right mantis shrimp mantis shrimp of all things right isn't it crazy i literally had no idea and they've got kind of those there's they're almost like a cartoon character if you can remember the guy from like Ariel monsters yeah with the hands and the hair, hairy armpits we've talked yes. about him on the podcast before yeah you can see my armpit they're actually pretty oh, so are mine nice so I'm close. Anyway, so if you can imagine kind of their eyes on these like stalks and they can move independently, which is crazy. And so as humans, we have binocular vision. So bi, because we have two eyes. These guys actually have sexocular vision because in each eye, there's tri, it's triocular. So there's like, 
guess, three different lenses in each eyeball, and they move independently, which is crazy. And in addition to that, so humans, for instance, we possess three types of photoreceptors. So meaning like rods and cones. I am not an eye doctor. I don't really know what all of this means, but I do know it's like essentially what we use to translate like the information we see into vision and sight. Like rods are like blue, red, and cones are yellow, green or something. Something like that. But this is all way over my head. And we've got three of those, whereas mantis shrimp have 12 to 16 of those. So they can just see like a very, very wide, massive color spectrum. Oh. Yeah, didn't they count like 112 different colors? Like where we would see a rainbow of how many? Seven? How many colors are in the rainbow? Like R O Y green. Six. Biv. <laughs> Six to seven. They broke it down. Actually, I know about this. Meredith, you'll find this interesting. They The visible spectrum of light is only one octave of light. Okay. Like it's a doubling of a frequency yeah. or, you know, wavelengths, half wavelengths, like 400 nanometers to 800 nanometers about. And that's like an octave, a musical octave. Mm-hmm. So Sir Isaac Newton as a tool of pedagogy to teach this concept is the one that came up with Roy G. Biv because it divided the octave of light into seven diatonic steps, the equivalent of diatonic steps. Oh, crazy. Isn't that interesting? That is. On that music note, have you seen the or listened to the Radiolab podcast about the mantis shrimp? I did listen to it. Because they recreate. Oh, yeah, yeah. with the the choir. Mm -hmm. It's very good. I'm glad you plugged that because that's like super duper clever. What do they recreate with the choir? So they have like the basses singing, I guess, like the lowest frequency or like the lowest. It's it's vision, sound, frequency, waves. Okay, cool. It's along those lines. Yeah. And so they would have essentially like a dog can hear this spectrum and then you would hear just a chord made of like three voices for instance, or three notes, three pitches. Uh-huh. And then when you they would talk about like what a sparrow, I think, could see, it was like many, many more voices in the chord just to, I guess, sonically represent what they could see in terms of their vision spectrum. Oh, that's very yeah, interesting. Definitely check it out. It was great. Oh, shut up, phone. So move on here. This eyesight in general for them results in like very little processing delay. So they just capture information like so fast and can react so fast as a result, which is very useful, I think, when it comes to like catching prey and seeing prey. What else do we have? Okay, so this is actually what was very interesting in this Radiolab thing because they did these tests that found that despite being able to see so many colors, that they don't actually really use that ability in ways that we can necessarily understand. Isn't that crazy? It is so crazy. And I I love and hate when shows come to these conclusions because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want to understand it. But I also love the fact that because we're humans and we can really only understand things in the way that we as humans experience the world that it's really hard to wrap our minds around the fact that it could be that these colors aren't used necessarily to be indications of like beauty or whatever but maybe they can indicate like fear or being ready to get it on or all these other things that we don't necessarily get yeah it's like something that complex would have had to have evolved not just for shits and giggles. Right, right. They're not just there to be like, oh, what a beautiful variegated array of seaweed. <laughs> or wow, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful hermit crab over there. It's like, no, they they see colors or experience colors, I should say, in a very different way that we don't necessarily understand. That's another cool metaphor 
for like how we should live like bonobos. We could live like the mantis shrimp. Like just because we don't understand someone doesn't mean that they don't have value. Right. Amen. System. <laughs> don't cry. Don't cry. It's okay. It's okay. And also too, it could be it have something to do with the detection of certain predators and, you know, being able to maybe catch a glimpse of something that's more translucent in the water uh, as opposed to something that like we see things that are opaque, but we can't necessarily see things that are translucent, whereas they might be able to capture that translucence through their highly developed eyesight. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the best part, I think, in terms of their smashers? So. Oh, that's right. This peacock mantis shrimp is a smasher. They are true smashers. So what this means, and unfortunately the camera on the setup is really shitty in that you just see my face, so you can't really see my arms. But if you can imagine like raptor-like claws. I got you. So like think about a normal praying mantis. Yeah, she's got it. Oh, raptor arms. Imagine that you're like the ends of your raptor arms are like clubs or they're kind of shaped almost like bowling pins. I can't. You can't. <laughs> that looks like a bowling pin. <laughs> no one listening can see me, but this is really accurate just So they've got these weird like club arms and then what they do is they can strike their prey with essentially the most massive force of (laughs) their shooting. Like a forward punch? Essentially, it's like it's so. A sonic boom. Yeah, it's with so much force that it creates what's called a cavitation bubble. So say they're going up to like an unsuspecting hermit crab or something. And they want to get in there. So they go up and they just whack it with their little raptor claws. But the force, it's literally zero to 50 in the amount of time we can't even really comprehend. It goes so fast. And it creates such a low pressure bubble that it has like a sonic boom effect. So you can actually hear like in an aquarium, like one of these guys hitting their prey, you get like a sound. And in that cavitation, in that low pressure bubble... It actually creates like enough heat. It's as hot as the surface of the sun. It's insanity. Wait, really? These animals are crazy. It defies all logic. So they punch the water and it creates a cavitation bubble and the heat is very, it's very so hot. They actually, it's, so they actually strike, it's not just the water. They actually strike, say, the outside of a hermit crab. So there's actually two strikes. So it's the strike of the clubs themselves actually making contact with the surface of the shell. But then when the cavitation, like the shock wave from the collapsing of the cavitation bubble sends another wave of pressure into the hermit crab. And through this phenomenon, it creates this massive amount of heat and light in like a less of a split second. It's insanity. Can you see the light? Does it create light? It does, but it's too fast and it can only be seen Mm. through very like specific scientific very specific science. Ah, uh, noted, noted. <laughs> a science camera? So wait, this cavitation bu- bubble, is that like when you crack your knuckles? Is that the same thing? I don't know. I think that's just like hydrogen being popped out. But I think there's something about with like the, the rapidity of this force or like how quick the little clubs move through the water. It creates a vacuum. Just like that. Yes. <laughs> vacuum. Vacuum. <laughs> vacuum. So it's like creates such a vacuum that it's, I really don't even understand that it, it creates a, like a little sonic pop in this major heat out of nowhere. So I watched this YouTube of this mantis shrimp going after this crab and it just, after a hermit crab, and it just busts up the shell like it's no big deal and then just 
pulls out that delicious crab meat and like scurries away to its little burrow. Has a delicious meal. So who can anybody eat this mantis shrimp? Does it have any predators? Because it sounds like somebody that you really don't want to mess yeah. with. Like if I were a predator, the last shrimp I'd be going after would be the one that's not even a shrimp, but is called a mantis shrimp <laughs> and can punch me and hurt me with its cavitation bubble. Two answers to this question. So the one predator that I did read about was like piranhas, for instance. Um, and they've got those crazy teeth. So maybe it's like a really good matchup. I don't know. I would love to see some footage. But actually, these guys can even like take on a small octopus and win. What? Which is crazy considering like the high predatory uh, prowess of the octopus. Um, but actually, they're very, especially the peacock mantis shrimp, they're very prized in aquariums. But it's hard to get them, I think, because they're very aggressive. They're called thumb crushers in some cultures. Like, they can fuck you up. That's my nickname in high school. <laughs> what? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ew. Ew. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you don't want to know why. You don't want to know why. <laughs> this was before all the bonobos, right? <laughs> Pre-bonobo. Yeah. Um, name. Pre-nobo. 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 But they can actually crack aquarium glass and not to mention just like fuck up whatever it is that you have in your aquarium. Why is it called peacock? Well, they're super duper colorful, just like peacocks are. So like the majority of their body is kind of like this weird iridescent green, but on their carapace, Mike. (laughs) Yes, I love a carapace. Their back shell. Yes. So they've got like little leopard spots. And then actually, if you look down at their, I don't even know what these are called. They're like tail feathers kind of, but they've got little like splotches, like dots on their tail feathers that kind of look like peacock tail feathers. I think they're called picopods. I ended up on a image of this peacock mantis shrimp sort of analysis. You're called, those tail feathers are called picopods? I think so. Course. What's it called when two very separate animals evolve to have the same trait, like a dolphin and a shark? Convergent evolution. Yeah, convergent. I think. Is that what it is? The peacock and the mantis shrimp. Convergent evolution. Prime example. <laughs> Perfect. The whole thing is just freaking crazy. Oh, and they're also like super smart, apparently, and they can like learn to recognize their neighbors. I just imagine them coming out of their little burrow. I mean, like, Hey, Larry! <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Hey, neighbor. Like, pew, 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 pew. Waving their little club, all happy-like. <laughs> Doing fireworks for the 4th of July. Yeah, totally. Oh. Punches. <laughs> that would be Jerry Jurgens as Mantis Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they're just, like, super duper cool. And they, I mean, I don't know. I have a lot in here, but like I said, the, the peacock shrimp, it's, quote-unquote, the fastest recorded punch of any animal. Take that, Bruce Lee and kangaroos. And Muhammad Ooh. Ali. And Muhammad Ali. You ain't got nothing on these mantis shrimp. Float like a butterfly, punch like a mantis shrimp. Like, just like they say. I don't know why he didn't say that. Why didn't he say <laughs> that? It makes so much more sense. Why didn't he say that? <laughs> he needed to listen to Animal Fan Club. <laughs> so these guys are just insane. And I had such a fun time in the park today researching them and experiencing all that bird drama. Well, that's just so wonderful. Sounds like you had a I nice really day. I really did have a nice day. It was very fun. Yeah, so any questions? I probably can't answer them, but. I think I'm okay on the mantis shrimp. I think I feel like I know all I need to. Yeah, and they actually are in some cultures enjoyed. I know they're eaten as like sushi, sashimi. They're eaten in Vietnamese culture, some Mediterranean cultures. 
So I, I guess they're delicious, just like our escargot friends, drenched in some butter and vinegar and whatnot. Are you still afraid of lobsters, Meredith? Oh, yes. Oh, you bitch. This girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I don't like sea creatures. I forgot about this. I have to bring this up. For some reason, her parents had like a bag of frozen like crawfish in the freezer. Gross. And they first yeah. hooked one into my purse. So, like, when I went to go, like, reach into my purse, I'd be met with, like, a little crawfish claw. And then these fuckers pinned me down and shoved one down my pants and squashed it. I was actually referring to the time that I chased you around Kroger with a lobster from the <laughs> lobster tank. Wow. That's what I'm... We're encountering a lot of crustacean trauma. <laughs> this is my crustacean trauma moment. I don't like them. I, they creep me out. I do love the little ones on the beach, that the little crabs that come out and just kind of, like, peekaboo, and then they scuttle back in. I don't mind those, but I don't like I'm smashed in my pants. Thank you for still being my friend. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think it's time to take a break. Definitely. Has the spark gone out of your pond? Has your nuptial pad gone dry? Do you find yourself trying to mate outside of your species? Then maybe it's time you give brand clubbies new. Sexy and plexi, erotic accoutrement for tawdry toads, a try. Personalize your very own spawning kit to include a deck of Toda Sutra cards, each demonstrating alternative and plexus position. For those times when tadpole production may not be on the docket, but love is. A sexy soundtrack to put any toad in the mood to mount. Some of our favorite tracks include or Debonair disguises for those times when you want to simulate a little interspecies experimentation. Want to invite Goldilocks goldfish to see if your pond is just right? Or maybe Nurse Shark Nancy can help nurse you back to life after your little death. Or call on Fire Marshal Mallard to put out that raging fire in your loins. Just name your creature kink. We've got the costume. And finally, for those ladies who just want a break, be sure to order our limited edition Get Off My Back Cap Sleeve Tea, available in sizes to fit the tiniest oak toad all the way up to the most robust cane toad. And use code CLUBBY today to receive a free bottle of nuptial pad lube. Keep the toad man's alive. Order your own sexy and plexi spawning kit from Brand Clubby today. Mm. What is this I smell? Is it millet? 
Have we been given millet by the millet givers? I think we've been given millet by the millet givers. I think we're in the feedback, Meredith. I think we're back. I think we're back. It's the best. All right. Well, I'm just going to repeat this question from last week as promised. So Celine asks, Celine from Colorado asks, why is it that monkeys have all the fun? I know why. Tell us, tell us, yeah, tell, tell us. us. <laughs> so I actually, before I wanted to study um, nonverbal communication, um, my one of my college professors said that I should study um, if monkeys can tell jokes. And I thought that was a very amazing thing to do. And I realized, how the fuck are you going to figure that out? Right. Um, but monkeys do have fun. And it's thought that um, because they're, they're so intelligent, it allows for like a creative exploration and like abstract thought. So like if 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 you're sort of dumb and all you really think about is like don't die, live. Right. Like those are the two things, right? Right. Sure. You could shit yourself and life would be fine. If that's right. all you have to think about, you don't have time for fun. Right. But if you're if you're if you're intelligent, then you can think abstractly about stuff and make jokes. That answers that. That's so great. <laughs> so the official position is now abstract thinking. Ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> I love that. Kurt from Columbia asks, if a slow loris drinks some coffee, will it then become a fast loris? Hmm. I do love slow lorises. Their soup's cute. Are they the poisonous ones? I don't know. What are the poisonous ones? There's a poisonous primate. It has a poison. Its thumb sticks out, looks like a branch. Oh, oh Wait. yeah. I forget what those are called though. Are There's that... a poisonous primate. I almost said Tardis. That's from Doctor Who. <laughs> Different. There is one. Poisonous primates is another metal metal band. Yeah. Not a Loris. Well, I think at really the central thesis of this question is: Will a beverage cause a creature to morph species i guess but we don't know that the fast loris is a species do we i don't think they are i've never heard of them but that doesn't mean anything not yet not until you give them some duncan lorises run on duncan lorises do run on duncan okay i don't know i think i think that slow lorises are always slow i think that a creature drinking a delicious caffeinated bevy may amp them up a little bit, but I don't think it changes them from their essence. No, I would hope not. I want the essence to be the essence, not something as um, essenceless. Yeah, to be made essenceless by some cheap-ass shitty coffee. For sure. So, I guess like a fish position, no? <laughs> yeah, that's the fish position. Ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. And then I have one from Marion in New York who asks, do roosters get jealous of trumpet players? I have heard this is true. A cock told me once. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you are the animal expert, so. We just have to default to you. Yeah, yeah. He told me. He told me. She said, see here, I'm a trumpet player there. I'm the, I'm the cock of the walk. There's this guy over here with that big old horn. See? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But I like to imagine, yes, roosters get jealous. Yeah, because, I mean, roosters, do they have... I don't think they've really got the ability for, like, ombature and therefore the ability to, like, 
play a melody, for instance. Sure. So maybe they want to be have like a nice Miles Davis moment, but they're very limited by their like throat structure and their vocal cords. Well, I think also by their wings because they lack some sort of you know they don't really have a way to interface in a typical musical instrument like in a way that we understand you know maybe with their talons but like right trumpet talons yeah that sounds dirty gave him the old trumpet talon she here she gave me the trumpet talon (laughs) (laughs) would it depend on if what the hens like i feel like maybe oh what if you had some real like jazz head hens you know they just really want to you know be wooed by their jazz man rooster they just want to get down but he, he he can't deliver. No modal jazz here. Just a plain old cockadoodle-doo. I couldn't have said it better. So I guess the fish position is definitely. Roosters do get jealous of trumpet players. Yeah, it's really hard to argue or imagine a world where a rooster is not jealous of a trumpet player. I know. So ding, 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 ding. I'm sure there's a master's thesis on that somewhere. Definitely. I hope so. The cock horn. <laughs> the title. The cock horn. The cocksure cock horn. Can you say that softer, Meredith? Cockshore, cockhorn. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. Well, this has just been such a delightful episode of Animal Fan Club. Thank you so much, Mary Lauren, for joining us. Thanks for listening. Any time. Yeah. Mary Lauren, do you want our listeners to find you on the internet? Do you have an internet presence? Have you heard of the internet? I don't. I don't do the the tweeters. (laughs) Tweeters. I think I have like four accounts that I made up when I was high. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds about right. I, I am on Instagram. I'm Mary Lauren underscore Malone, like post Malone. Cool. I always think of you when I see a face chat. I tell people that he's my cousin and they believe me and I don't know if that's insulting or not. Hey. He also claimed that he made up that last name. What? It's like an old like Irish standby. Yeah, well, I don't know. Post Malone is represents this sort of like melancholy vibe and popular music that I think is an interesting post Lana Del Rey type melancholyism. Summertime sadness. Mm-hmm. Video game. Yeah. Video game. <laughs> well, cool. Well, until next time. Stay true in animals. Follow your animal blisses. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app that really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.